Welcome to the 14th edition of the Skyhook. My name is James Kay, and I have an exciting announcement before we get into the rest of this show. Chris Pennant is going to be the new co-host for this show. He has been on here multiple times, and honestly, it seemed inevitable that he was going to end up being in this spot. Um, but yeah, I'm so excited to have Chris be a part of this show. Um, Chris, how you doing, man? It's great to be on, James. I, I really appreciate you bringing me on for the new season. It's hopefully going to be really exciting. we got a lot to talk about, not just tonight, but it's you know, going all the way through to, to September. And again, I, I just want to bring a good product out, not only for the Sky, but for the WNBA fans. Hell yeah, man. I'm excited. New season, new co-host. So with that in mind, let's just jump into some of the storylines of the offseason so far and some of the storylines that we're going to see heading into 2020. One thing that I think, Chris, that we were talking about before the show, just fan expectations. I think it's been really interesting going from 2017 and 2018 where the sky really struggled and, you know, the Amber Stocks era didn't go as planned. And people kind of thought that, you know, because of that, things were going to be a little bit rougher heading in, like, you know, with a new coach and James Wade. Um, But Last year, just it, it blew everyone away, really. Everyone in the WNBA. Um, the Sky finished, you know, in the top four in the standings. And that really, I mean, besides that ending with the Aces and the Derricka Hampy shot that somehow went in, I, I didn't get to do a podcast after that shot. And I'm still upset thinking about it. But, um, you know, I feel going into this season that this is going to be, it's, you know, the fan expectations are as high as ever. And, you know, the Sky are in position to really make another run. So, Chris, with all that said, do you feel like it's almost like a like an advantage? Like, Or like last season, the Sky had an advantage in just that the expectations weren't as high. But now going into the season, there's just a little bit more pressure. Or do you feel just like this team's so ready to really make a run at this thing? They're in a, a difficult, not not a difficult spot. A, a well, there's a, this is a, a tipping point almost for the sky. Like you said, last season they weren't really expected to be as good of a team as they were. They had Courtney Vandersloot. Everybody saw a new diamond to shield potential. The James Wade was a rookie head coach, albeit he had been an assistant coach, a very successful one with San Antonio, then with Minnesota, and with UMCC, uh, UMMC uh, Katerinburg and all that. But people didn't really know how he would mesh with the team. And with the WNBA, where coaches are so often the GMs as well, and they're having to pull double duty in making personnel decisions and coaching their team, they, it, it's really important. It's almost like that, that college or European style of coaching where the coaches have a lot of control, but they've got to have good chemistry with their teams mm-hmm. and and be a good excellent and those coach in order to succeed. So, all that said, for the Sky to come out last year and win 20 games after winning 25, I believe, the last, the, the two seasons before that combined, was a, was a surprise for a lot of people. They were one of the eight teams, or the, the, they were one of the teams who beat Washington in the regular season last year. Yeah. Which only happened eight times. So that alone says how good they were. And they won a playoff game for the first time since 2015-2016. It was a big season for them, but it wasn't something that was forced to you. Now the expectations are on them. Diamond Shields 
is an MVP caliber player, MVP candidate for years to come. Courtney Vandersloot has led the league in assists uh, for the last two seasons, possibly three. Broke the broke her own single season record for assists last year. Uh, Allie Quigley is still a, good, a very very good shooter. Gabby Williams is a really really good utility player, and Kalia Copper. I almost I can't believe I didn't mention Kalia Copper cool. earlier. Has been playing incredible basketball overseas. Really came on at the middle and the end of last season, and uh, was a big player in that Las Vegas game. Uh, that kept the sky in things in the first half. Made some good shots in the second half. And were it not for that incredible shot, might have been the person that pushed them over the top and get them into the semifinal. Yeah. So it's a question now of how they do with expectations and, and how they can handle that going forward, just the team, the players, and the coach. So let's manage our own expectations. I mean, where are you feeling that this – I mean, I know this. Well, the CBA hasn't even been signed, but – I mean, where are you feeling like, like where this team is at? Because it doesn't seem like, I mean, there hasn't been any movement, obviously, but like, I haven't even heard people propose anything about getting any new personnel. I mean, where do you feel like the sky are right now? You know, if the season were to start today, they're in a fairly good spot. If you keep the, if you just look at the, the players that they have from last season, it's not like they're they're, they're not a a. They don't have to worry about age as much. Allie Quigley was the one player that people were talking about last year uh, in terms of thinking about possible retirement soon. And she's been in the league a long time. Uh, but Allie's still, like I said, a very, very good and dependable shooter. But she's really the only player on the team, and, and maybe Jontel Lavender, uh, having been with her with the injury that she is uh, still rehabbing and working on. The thing that I'm only, really the only thing I'm worried about is they should be good. So if they start the season slowly or get into the, the all-star break around 500 or something like that, I don't know how everyone will react. Yeah. Because as much as the WNBA is still searching for that big spotlight in media coverage, this team is still in Chicago. All the outlets, including us, have worked hard to make sure that people are, to, to make them people aware of them, that they're following them, that they're coming out to these games, that they're looking for this news. And so when you have that, then it becomes how do you react to the media putting a microphone in your face and saying, hey, what's, going, what's not going right? So I totally agree with all of that. I guess the one thing that I'm wonder, like wondering about with, really there's not going to be much change to what this team looks like going in, like, 2019 to 2020 in my opinion um the one thing i'm worried about is just how everyone else is improving around the league like i look at a team like the seattle storm who's a team that i think without two of their best players last year was i guess maybe not best players but like natasha howard obviously but like is one of their best players but getting stewie back and after the seattle Storm, i think scored like the second least amount of points last year in the WNBA they get Stewie back and they allowed I mean their defense was fantastic last year and I look at Jordan Canada with her long arms I just think about her how she can stop anyone in the backcourt I think about a team like that I think about now the aces get 
I mean, I know that there's not much in training camp uh, that you can really get done in the WNBA since it's so short. But, I mean, they get a little bit more time to work with Liz and Asia and, you know, Jackie Young also has a chance of, like, really having a year two jump. Sometimes it just takes one year and playing professional basketball to improve. I mean, the upside for some of these other teams, I mean, like the Mystics, too. I mean, they had one of the greatest offenses of all time last season. Um I mean, I just see all these other teams that are, um, their upside just seems like it's just screaming right now in a way that, like, I think the sky, I mean, their upside would be, like, the best thing that can happen to them is that Diamond to Shields has that MVP season that we even talked about a little bit last year. You know, we thought she's a dark horse candidate. She wasn't consistent in the way that I think a lot of people expected her to be. Um, but, I mean, those last six games in the regular season really they open your eyes but we just the sky need that type of player they need diamond to be that player going into next season and just do it on a night-to-night basis that to me is like that's the key to all this like my expectations lie with diamond and and again just even going through the like just coming up with notes for this episode i just the one thing that came to mind as well is like what happens if salute goes down like i look at that injury she sustained, um, but that ankle injury she had where she, you know, everyone thought, at least I remember just covering that game and just seeing it live. I'm like, oh no, is she going to be out for the season? And just thankfully she was, she bounced back right away and she was able to play out the rest of the season. But I think how do the sky make up for, and you know, if they lose their 31 year old point guard, I don't really know. There's, there is an easy answer for that. Like Gabby Williams, I think ideally she'd be probably be back at the three or the four, even though she handled PG duties pretty well last season. Um, Kalia Copper, I think, is the perfect second unit point guard because, I mean, the Sky don't really have, outside of Diamond, I'd say, that they don't really have someone that can consistently get to the line in the way that Kalia's been able to do last season, like the way that she did last season. I just think, like, this team is maybe, even with all the depth and the conversation around the depth, which is something we'll get into in a little bit, but, like, you know, there are some vulnerable spots on the roster, I think, if they lose Sloot or if Diamond doesn't play to the level that we think that she will be. And I mean, I do think that she could be the, she easily could be the MVP next season um, if she does what she did at the end of last season. I just wonder where, you know, if one of those two players slips up that the top of the WNBA right now is just so stellar that it'd be hard for me to see the sky being able to maintain that top five status, but maybe we also shouldn't be predicting injuries. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Is there anything there that what, did I catch you off guard or like uh, any rebuttal to that? <laughs> oh no, no. I'm, I'm actually glad that you mentioned that because I, I had forgotten about that moment. It, it really was a, a second of what's going to happen now when Courtney went off with that, with that twisted ankle and you're right. She is the indispensable player on this team. Uh, Diamond, uh, Diamond is, can pick that up, but she's much more comfortable um, handling the ball as a scorer rather than as a distributor. There, now there were signs that she can that she can definitely uh, pass the rock on the fast break, and there were some times where she was able to move the ball to the right spot mm-hmm. in the half court offense. But she's not a true point guard, the caliber of Courtney Vandersloot. 
and there's very, to be fair, there's very few yeah. uh, point guards <laughs> in the league right now to the caliber of Courtney Vandersloot. She is a real, she is the linchpin for this team. And so not only in the, uh, in the fact that if she gets hurt, then it's a, a really difficult season for them if she has a long-term injury, but she's turned 30, it's her eighth season. Um, is she a Sue Bird type of player who can play for almost 20 years? It's possible, but she is, uh, it, there's other considerations, you know? Um, so it's, it would be nice if they could have a player behind her who could pick that up. Somebody who either is just a true point guard or somebody who can bring the ball up as a, a just a game-changing type of player who, like, something, somebody like a Marine Johannes mm-hmm. in New York that's a little bit taller, really smooth with good, really smooth with handles, just really having that height, being able to handle the ball and shoot the ball really well from distance. It would be nice to have somebody like that or have their eye on somebody like that that they could either draft or pick up for the future. So, I love Courtney. I want to see how long she plays. But I don't know. It's not a given. 100%. And a part of me thinks that they should go for the veteran point guard instead of trying to get someone in the draft. Like Chloe Jackson, like, I guess, I mean, there's a lot of reasons why Chloe Jackson didn't work out in Chicago last season. She didn't get enough tick to really develop as a player but like i don't know like i feel like if they go for someone let's just say they like crystal dangerfield from yukon falls to them um and i think i mean that's i think that's a possibility at this point really anything is with that number eight pick but does it really make sense to gamble and trust a younger point guard who's never played professional basketball to be the person to go to if someone who's in their early 30s goes down like that just doesn't if this is a playoff team and that's their expectations now i mean i don't know that that does worry me a little bit um and i mean again we'll see what happens when it like once the cba is signed and there's an agreement in place and see where free agency leads us but there's i mean there's also a lot of free like i guess we can kind of start talking about it now i mean like there's what seven players i think this guy have right now they're going to be free agents or like they're going to be on expiring deals i mean that that's got to be a little worrisome if you're james wade you know what i mean yeah and it's a lot depends on the cba and that's what's so tough about even just this podcast that we're doing yeah. that so much is dependent on the cba which um at the time that every all of you out there will be listening to this will be in a couple of days is the deadline on january 15th uh, for the for the CBA to be able to be done, but so much is dependent on that yeah. in terms of free agency because you can't actually start signing players to deals until that's all taken care of, and so you have to worry, you have to look at that as well as the draft. And you're right; it's in terms of young talent. The Sky are a playoff team now, and so your young talent coming in, unless they are bonkers or a just a real rare find that, that a lot of teams just overlooked aren't going to come in and help immediately. At best, they would get some play in the preseason, some minutes in garbage time, blowouts, and learn from the veterans uh, in practice. So a lot of what they would get to help is going to come in free agency, and you know we can't even really, you can say what names are out there and who you know this guy has to resign. And 
So that is it. Like they, it's gonna, it most likely still will be tough to answer your question. Yeah. To refine all of those players back. And James Wade also said that that's probably not feasible for them to go out and get everyone that they had from last season. Ideally, I guess that would be um, that they would be able to do that. Um, but I also actually think that's an opportunity for them to like actually fill some of the holes that were there. I mean, defensively, they, they still have a long way to go. I mean, they were 10th in defensive rating last year and uh, were 11th in opponents' points per game. So, I mean, that there's still a hole there. Um, and actually, there's one thing that I did want to talk to you about with that, because I think Steph Dolson is a uh she's a unrestricted free agent right now right or once the cba is signed that she is a free agent yeah she's right now she's listed as a she's a ufa okay to me and i look at like the other free agents like ali quigley i mean salute i mean if they if the cba includes like the core player designation like um i'm wondering if that is actually going to be eliminated but i'm i'm sure it won't be um Salute's going to be on the in, like, in a Sky uniform next year, and I think that means that Allie Quigley will be as well. I don't, um, that's not a hot take by any means, but I look like I look at some of the other players that are out there as free agents, and I wonder if Stephanie Dolson's the one that, while she's a very valuable piece and she actually improved a lot after being injured for a lot of the 2018 season. I wonder if she is the player that you can kind of recreate through the rotation of other front court players, if you know what I mean. Like, I think that Jantel, Astu, and Cheyenne can fill that role, and, like, you can save money by not re-signing Steph, even though she's a fan favorite and she, you know, does command the locker room and, like, is respected. I just wonder if they should try to maybe look in another direction, um in free agency when it comes to her because I think losing Kalia would actually be such a huge mistake for them to just let her walk especially we saw like a lot of great flashes from her last season like you said she's playing so well overseas I mean do you think this guy can afford to let Steph go right now or do you think that they really should just try to get everyone back from the team last year honestly I I'm going to sound like a homer or, or something like that, but I, I don't think you should let Steph go, yeah. even 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 given how much it will cost, just for chemistry reasons. Uh, and this is something that I, I kind of want to get into with, uh, with, the, with the expectations idea. There's this uh, concept that Pat Riley called the disease of more, huh. and it's uh, once a team, any team, you can really go to, to any team sport, once a team achieves some success in the, in the level of postseason, um, whether it be going to the going to the finals, the, the championship, or winning the championship, once a team gets to that level or getting or gets close, then the next season they have to deal with a lot of it's it's how well they weather internal uh, either disagreements or, or tension that's there. Because basketball is about uh, contracts, playing time, and shots when mm-hmm. it comes down to it. Steph is a player that doesn't really care about much of that other than, or has not shown that she cares about much of that other than, uh, you know, what everybody has to care about in this economy, which is the money being paid fairly. 
free services, and she's a sixth, uh, sixth going into the seventh year player. But she's a really good chemistry player for this team. She's always loose. She's a veteran. She keeps people on task. She plays hard. She's not reticent to go face up with another team, with an opponent, mm-hmm. if it gets physical or if it gets scrappy. And that's a player that you, you most certainly need. Plus, she's a quality player who can shoot from the perimeter, Definitely. pass from the perimeter as a post player or as a, as a big in, in this league. And that is not that easy to find. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of good passers over, the, over 6'4", outside of Elena and a few other players that I, I would have to really, like, really go back in and name. Like, uh, I want to say Cheney or Namika, but I, 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 people who listen to this, post, your, post in the comments of all the best players who are good passers in the WNBA over 6'3". So, so I will, I'll, I'll put, give money to charity. <laughs> I feel bad right now. So... I think what I mean by a like, in terms of replacing Steph, I don't think she's a like if you, if this guy could afford her and give her, and give everyone the playing time that they need. I'm with you. I mean, she's someone that is a that can contribute on a playoff team. And I think that's really what when you when you talk about roster construction, that is what any time you sign a player, you have to think: is this player going to can this person can be a piece like win four minutes in a playoff game? Like that is something that's very valuable. And I think Steph is that player. I just wonder with, so that there's no stagnation and that, so that there is improvement on the roster, whether she, if you can recreate who she, like what she brings through those other players, you know, like I think it's different than saying like that she doesn't bring those other things to the table because I think that, Ideally, she would be a part of this team next year, and I hope. And there's a part of me that does hope that she is. But I just think about a stew and how she really came into her own last season, and how she was able to step up when Jantel went down. And I think it'd be an, a weird step back for her if she had to play behind Cheyenne, Jantel, and Steph. Like that. That I don't know how that works out because she proved that she is an important piece uh, on this team, and she really did take off in August. Like, I don't know, because Jantel and Astu can really stretch the floor, and you really have those tight. Like, in Cheyenne, honestly, she showed that she can hit from, you know, uh, above 14 or over, four, like, 15 feet, you know what I mean? So, like, you have all those, you have bigs that can shoot on this team. It's just about making sure that they can get consistent touches. And, like, I think about Cheyenne, too. Like empowering her, I know she was inconsistent last season, but her highs were so high despite the lows being so low. Like, if you empower a player like that, I wonder what it looks like when she just knows, okay, I don't have to think about competing every day necessarily for 15 to 20 minutes a game, you know, which is something she'll probably do this season if Steph is back. And I wonder if, I mean, I just think they need to start giving some of these players more opportunities to thrive, you know? And that's why I was kind of, even before this, I was wondering, is there even a move for this guy to make where they can trade up for someone? Um, you know, you can sacrifice some of that depth to get a bigger star that can maybe fill up the lane a little bit. Just again, like this guy really struggled in opponents' uh, points in the paint per game. So like, I, think, I wonder yeah. if... I wonder, yeah if Steph becomes expendable just because you can create, like recreate her abilities through multiple players. But 
maybe you don't want that and you want to have the player that just brings to the table what you know what you want to recreate if she were to leave but um yeah i like that cup i know exactly what you're saying like do you have two or three players i probably ideally two who can give you those stats or better uh it's it's a difficult scenario just because um if you, I guess if you if you traded if you traded stuff, then that would give you a stew, like you said, a stew Cheyenne and Chantel. And I think a stew is your best candidate to replace. Uh, I'm just thinking about the, the 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 shooting from from long range, like the consistent three point shooting. Mm-hmm. And you know, Chantel kind of had the the DeRozan thing where she was taking that one step inside the arc. And hitting that long, too, where it was a few inches away from being a three. And, and I remember she talked about that either with uh, Lisa Byington in one pregame or just uh, in general talking to media at some point, like really being conscious of shooting that, that three-point shot when it was available rather than stepping in and shooting a two. Yeah, that it, drove me nuts last year. Me. Yeah. No, it, for sure. It, it's just so weird to me in, in terms of chemistry. Like, you had such a good season – and you have players who really bought into the coaching system in his first year and with each other. And what happens if you lose a key piece? It's hard. I mean, I just it's hard to think about the basketball fit and all these other little things that go into winning and like being a championship team. And I just I don't know if other teams are experienced them in the, experiencing those things in the way that the sky are right now. Um, but the talent's there. I think more than anything else. And you have someone like James Wade, who's also like, since he's a GM, and I think this, it's great that he's the GM specifically because, you know, you have to build a roster not only for, not just like the player strengths, but like the coaching strengths as well. And having that depth, him being one of the better in-game coaches we have in the WNBA, and he really proved it last year as a rookie coach that he can really be the difference in a game, just making the, the little tweaks and... I don't think I've seen a coach call off someone who was about to go into the game just <laughs> so as many times as James Wade did last year. I'd see someone like about to check in. He would just like clap and dra- like <laughs> try to get their attention to come back because he decided against it. Like there's like those little things that when you see him live, <laughs> you know, like there's those little things when you see him live, you're like, wow, this guy is just so active on the sideline. And it's one of the reasons why he was coach of the year last year um, because he is a brilliant coach and I trust him in that sense. I just, it's, it's going to be interesting to see if they can hold it all together two years in a row, just with how much talent is on this team. Um, and I guess maybe we should start talking about that. I mean, like we, one of the things we wanted to talk about is like whether this guy should go all in or develop some of these younger players. Um, I mean, before last season, I mean, there were a few people who looked at this guy and thought they were like, you know, that looked at them, wondered if they were actually going to be a playoff team. Maybe there, I know there was a lot of people who thought maybe they were a fringe playoff team and they completely shattered those expectations like we talked about already. Um, so then maybe the timeline kind of moves up a little bit in terms of seeing some of these younger players develop. So, I mean, I guess what what is the ideal role for Katie Lou Samuelson? I think that's probably your, like your number one uh, draft pick last year, your first round draft pick, I should say didn't get a lot of, I mean, obviously because of injuries, but even when she was quote-unquote healthy, she didn't get a lot of time on the court. So 
what like where do you see Katie Lou going into this season? Because I'm just trying to think about that, and I don't have the best answer for it. It's difficult to project, right? Because she was kind of at the center of a little storm what, with the, the stuff from her mom on, on media and just the fans who wanted to see her more. But it, it's good that everybody's paying such close attention, um, especially for a team who going into that season in the sky that weren't looked at as even a playoff contender. Um, I, I've heard, and what am I seen? Katie Lou is playing fairly well in France. Mm-hmm. Um, she's got some stability. She's just—I think getting your feet wet into that first season overseas is good because then you get an idea of what it's like to play uh, not just in the WNBA but to be a woman's professional basketball player. Mm-hmm. And it's a good—it's just always going to be a good system for her that European style of play, being who she is, a long distance shooting. Uh, quality rebounding player so I think she'll be better and I think that after having that time on the bench uh, if, if James Wade's plan is what I think it is that he just kind of wanted to get her season then I think she comes out and she starts the season pretty well and goes from there I'm not projecting like 10 points a game mm-hmm. but 8 or 9 just something that would really contribute and just quality shooting numbers like we saw from her at UConn if, if, he, if she can get anything like her splits from her junior season, yeah. where she was, I believe, at 40, 41% from three. I think it might have been higher that, than that. I think, yeah, you might be right. Yeah. If, it was, if, if, anything, if she approaches anything like that this season, then the Sky drafted the player that they wanted at number four. So up. Uh, I am 100% with you with that because a lot of people keep saying, and even James Wade said this, and I was a little, I wouldn't say appalled, that's dramatic, but like just kind of taken aback in the sense like that when he said that he envisions Katie Lou as an Ali Quigley, not replacement, but like Ali Quigley type player. I don't think Lou is that type of player at all, to be honest with you. I mean, that the ideal version, the, the ideal WNBA version is not Ali Quigley because Katie Lou wasn't really, like, she's not that active on the perimeter. I mean, she was in the 20, like 2017, like the season you were talking about, where she just completely blew everything out of the water. She was moving around. She was giving herself open looks on the perimeter with, and, you know, was quick. She's got, she has a quick release. I don't know that she's that type of player, because I think she's been kind of banged up the last couple of years, honestly. And she's, I think the thing that's going to unlock Lou's three-point game is going to be if she develops just one move inside the arc. She's got to have one move inside the arc that when opponents guard her, they don't know if she's going to try to drive. And again, it's all, it all goes back to aggressiveness too, whether that's like beyond the arc or inside of it. If she's able to just get that one move where the when opponents defend her, they think that she might be able to go to it. I think that really does open up her game because when you talk about you know, operating in three phases of the offense, like something that, you know, Diamond to Shields does. Someone who gets to the line can hit from mid-range and hit from outside. Like, that's really what, like, Katie Lou really is missing those other two phases on offense. And that, I don't know how that works within James Wade's system. Um, if she can't also play defense, uh, I think she was second worst on the team in defensive rating in her limited time on the court. Like, that's a huge problem if with a team that already does struggle on defense. Um, so if she can like kind yeah. of develop a second move 
<laughs> like she really needs uh, or just be more aggressive and try to get to the rim which again she showed flashes of last season i think she can be a really big contributor for this team if she can just if she in france and she comes into training camp with just a little more offensive versatility that she didn't quite need in her last season at uconn because she could just rise up over other college players in a way that she you really can't do in the wmba anymore like wmba anymore um so that's why I, I just wonder where Lou is going in that direction because there was a problem last season. Well, I mean, she, you know, as a six-three player, you're one of the taller players um, in, in women's basketball, whether you're in college or whether you're in the pros, honestly. There's a good amount of players who are under six foot still. And so you can't, you can't rebound, you can't pull down 6.3 rebounds your senior season if you're not good at actually going and getting the ball. That's mm-hmm. one thing I want to see more of in more time. Because you don't have to go and get your head under the basket every single time out because we know Katie Lou, she's a scoring way more of a type player. Yeah. But she's somebody who can go and get rebounds, you know, get a rebound if you need it. And that's what I want to see more of. I don't necessarily I I am in my from my point of view, I don't necessarily know she needs to be a a player who can drive rather than a player who can catch on the catch a pass off the wing and just put the ball up. Or if she if she needs to be a slasher or a player who can get to the rim. I just think she needs to be able it, to free up. Yeah, it is. Because I think that I mean, just in terms of like her movement, she's just a little bit slower. And I just wonder if that's gonna catch up to her at this level, you know, because I think I don't think she needs to be a slasher. I don't think that's her game, um, and that's totally okay. She can be a very productive player without being a slasher. I mean, that's more Diamond and Gabby anyway. But like, she just needs—I don't know. I think like being able to back to the basket. That's the thing that I think maybe is that yeah. something she can open up. Something she hasn't like she just has never done in her basketball career, even dating back to high school. Can she be that back to the basket player occasionally, or something where you just have something where like you're you can just create some space for yourself if you catch the ball and you can't just release it right away. Here's a question. If, if Katie Lou Samuelson is Kayla McBride, is the sky draft her too high? If she's Kayla McBride, that's a good... I, you know what? I, I think that that would be a good... Like, that... I mean, obviously, I mean, if you look at the rest of the draft, like, if you're missing out on Enrique and you're missing out on Defisa, I guess maybe... Okay, yeah, maybe <laughs> if you're drafting uh, Kayla McBride over those two players, maybe that's off. I actually, I think that would be a good model for Katie Lou. Honestly, is that is the type of player she could be, and uh, I would be fine with it. I just think this guy, because she could add that another layer of offense to James for James Wade, and let's just say that this guy find a way to improve their defense a little bit more from last year and not allow as many points in the paint. Yeah, I actually, I think that Kayla McBride, like having a Kayla McBride-type player on this team would be great. Are you a little bit more skeptical of that? No, no, honestly, I feel the same way. Back to the basket game is a good, is definitely something that you would need to have. Especially when, you, when you're 6'3", you can just shoot over somebody. If it, with, I think the way that I'm getting ahead of myself, with the way that the league is going now, with the way the basketball is going now, teams switch a lot more. And so at some point you're going to get a mismatch in the post. And if she can work on her post game, work on her back to the basket, 
get good opportunities within within eight or nine feet. One, she can, those are shots that she can make if she gets that turnaround, either a turnaround jump shot or an up and under type move. And there's your free throw rate increase yeah. because if the teams go, either if teams uh, can't handle that mismatch, they're gonna foul. And she's a quality free throw shooter just because of the nature that she is such a good shooter. I agree. I think that that would be that would be ideal going into next season because you can't have and obviously again second year players are just going to be different. Hopefully, I mean ideally that's what it would look like. She comes in just with a little bit more to give on offense because you want to give her tick. You really do. But if you're the, the expectations are that the sky are going to be a top four, top five team next year, and that's the goal. She's got to be able to. And if she wants playing time, she's going to need to improve pretty, like, have a lot of improvement um, from the 2019 season. But, I mean, just even the younger players, let's just talk about, like, Gabby Williams. I mean, do, how, like, where do you think Gabby is best utilized? Because, again, she, like we talked about before, she was really, she did very well at the one last year. And she can prove that she could facilitate in the pick and roll, especially. I just wonder where, like, I wonder if that is where James Wade wants to go at this, especially, I mean, I talked to him before, I forget which game it was, and he said that Gabby is someone that we feel very comfortable comfortable with even putting at the four, even though it was a little bit outside of her comfort zone last year, like, or not last year, the year before, um, you yeah. know, that she could, she can still do that, and we still view her as a, that type of player, Um I mean, where do you see Gabby Williams this season, like some of the other younger players in the sky? Uh, I, I really do think she can fill in anywhere. Mm-hmm. If you, There's not really a primary position that I would sit her at. Like, uh, Courtney, you know, in the same way that Courtney's a true one and Abby's a, uh, sorry, and Allie's a true two, mm-hmm. Gabby can play one, two, three, and four. And if you switch her out, you know, she can she can at least hold her own as a five. She might take a lot of fouls. I'm not saying play her as a five, but if it's a switch, then she can play decent five. She's such a strong player. She's such a physically strong player that she can handle a lot of the defensive and offensive uh, requirements of playing those top four positions. I guess at best she's a wing, probably in the small forward or power forward spot. But she, I, I like it because she can bring the ball up if you have her at the forward position, which means that you could play Gabby with Ka and Diamond off the ball. Mm-hmm. And that's a really tough situation for play, for another team to defend with the way that those two can cut. Or just, I mean, you can just give either Diamond or Kalia all of uh, like a, a dribble handoff at the top of the key. And if it's like a floppy screen or a horns type play, the defense is backpedaling down the lane already. So just having Gabby able to do that, if you want to have her play as point forward, it's, it's, it's really, just really good to have. I just like her versatility enough. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't even put her out of position. But. Yeah. She is shooting better and feeling better and having more opportunity to have the ball in her hands in France right now. So I think it's just going to kind of depend on what's the what's the most needed role. That's how James Wade used her last year. That's how she was used before with Amber Stocks. I think that's the type of player she is, and, and she's going to be in her career. 
kind of a utility person. You know what we just did by putting Abby or Gabby at, in the front court? We just added another person to clog up more minutes in the front court. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I'm saying, yeah. man. Like, this is now, you have five people that could, uh, that could take up minutes in the front court consistently and you wouldn't bat an eye at it. And that's, that's why I was just wondering, like going all in on someone bigger. I don't know who that would be in terms of a star right now. Um, again, like we've said a hundred times already on this on this episode, like the CBA really is going to impact all the things that we're talking about here. But does it make sense to sacrifice three of those players to get someone bigger and then have two other complementary front court players behind that person? I don't know. And I remember I saw on Twitter that you suggested Tina Charles. That would be a really interesting fit. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God! Can that, you imagine? If, if you get Tina Charles, you've got to let go of Steph. Yeah. And Jontel, uh, for sure. I would. Uh, I I don't know. That's why I'm not a coach and GM. I don't know how to make that decision. But think about a but, team. A player like Tina Charles possibly being out there is is you got to at least take a look. You have to take a look. Cause think about a team of Courtney Vandersloot, Allie Quigley. Diamond to Shields. I think Jantel would probably be the four, and then Tina Charles. Are you kidding me? Like that? Ooh, that puts you. That puts you to another level. You know what I mean? And then let's just say you're able to re-sign Kalia. You, you're able to add these other like these like you know have Jantel not Jantel maybe Cheyenne comes off the bench if she's not in that one of those trades involving or not in trades but like just in terms of making room like. This just it opens up a lot of possibilities if you add that other star and like when you like especially in the playoffs you really need seven to eight people to win a championship a consistent players and the sky they really can run ten deep right now you know what I mean like it's kind of there's just a lot of mouths to feed and if you can figure it out in a way to get someone that's a little bit bigger and maybe sacrifice some of that depth for star power I mean. That's, I feel like that's something James Wade has to consider, um, even though, he, like we talked about, too, that he's just someone that likes to fiddle with these lineups in-game. You really can't do that as much with stars on your roster. But still, like I feel like where this team is at, veteran presence, like having a veteran presence emphasized on the roster is something that I think is probably their best move right now, but they're still a very good team. But... Um, what else do you want to talk about before we wrap this thing up? I'm, I'm so worried about this CBA, man. I, I was <laughs> talking to Howard Begdahl a little bit on Twitter, and he was saying that no news is good news, and he really is right. But I think I'm just, and, and other people, I don't know if they feel the same way. As a sports fan, you're so used to round-the-clock updates, especially in the offseason, and especially when it's concerning labor agreements, uh, you know, collective bargaining agreements. It's different to not hear anything. And <laughs> I just keep waiting for some kind of a leak, an update, some morsel of news, like this is what they're leaning towards, poor player designations, um, you know, length of contracts, uh, salary cap increase. I'm looking for something, and the deadline is the 15th, and there's been nothing other than the two extensions. Yeah. So it's, man, I just want, I just want clarity so that I can go ahead and think about who, you know, what teams are going to do, 
who they can keep, who they can take, who's looking for what in free agency, and then you can get to the draft. I just I just want that taken care of. Other than that, as we're recording, it's Steph Dolson's birthday. Great article from Madeline Kenny in the Sun Times about her um, uh, dealing with playing in China. So happy birthday, Steph! I uh, really appreciate it. she'll always give you an interview. So I hope she's doing well. Yeah, man, the CBA is so tricky. I hate these. I hate this element of sports. You know what I mean? Like, like the business aspect. It's great in terms of generating narratives. We see this on NBA Twitter all the time. Just how nauseating it can be, and it's probably an oversaturation there. But like. Yeah. It's important though, and you're right. I actually, I, I kind of lean towards where you're at in terms of like, no news is probably more problematic than anything else. I know that WNBA receives different level of coverage to to put it very, very, very lightly. Um, but I, I, I just want more updates about what's going on because it's just the, the radio silence on some of these things. It's just, uh, it's a little bit worrisome. I mean, I know that it's unsettling, right? It, it, I kind of feel it is a little bit. Um, I just maybe it, again just because there's been not that much coverage about it. Maybe there's something that we just don't know that maybe it's a smaller thing that gets resolved overnight, and maybe that's what pushes it forward. Because again, we're just not going to have the same type of coverage where we have an Adam Scheffner reporting the two sides are close to an agreement and, and they expect something to be finalized in two days. You know, like we just don't. We don't have that luxury yet. I think we will, especially because I think, I mean, we can talk a little bit closer to the season about where we think, like how we think the WNBA is going to do business-wise. But I'm just based on everything that I've seen and like, uh, you know, some of the like, things that have been implemented in the last couple of months, like the, uh, what was it, the Board of Advocates. I think that's going to be really big. It's very... Just to bring it back to recent news of David Stern passing away, I mean, the WNBA is implementing some of the things that David Stern did in '84 when the NBA took off, and um, it's exciting. I think this is a really exciting time for the league. I just hope it's not overshadowed by stagnant CBA negotiations. But so, I mean, again, Howard's such a brilliant person, but I I lean with you on this, man. I, I worry, um, but I'm a worrier. Not a warrior, unfortunately. Um, um, but yeah, Chris, I'm so excited that uh, you're a part of the show now, man. I'm I'm excited for like what the season's going to bring and um, be able to do this every week, man. I'm so excited. Definitely, it's going to be fun. Uh, no matter what, no matter what happens during the season, no matter what happens with the labor negotiations, it's going to be a fun season for sure. And I'm like I said, I'm excited to be here. You have this presence. So I'm just, you've had this presence with uh, Sky fans, with WNBA fans, so I just want to add to it. Hell yeah, man. I think you, you add a lot, so I appreciate it. <laughs> Chris, I'll see you around, man. Thanks, man. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of The Sky Hook. If you want to contact me or Chris, you can always do so by emailing our mailbag, which is theskyhookmailbag at gmail.com. As always, you can find this podcast on Podbean and Apple Podcasts. We would love it if you would rate and review the show and subscribe to it. It would mean a lot to us. And yeah, in terms of the how we're going to release episodes from here on in, we don't really have a set schedule. We're kind of hoping that the CBA gets signed by January 15th. I mean, seriously, fingers crossed on that. We really need that. Um, the WNBA needs that. But um, yeah, we're, we, hopefully by 
the time the CBA is signed, we're going to be doing this week to week or bi-weekly. Um, but really, thank you so much for tuning into another episode of the show. And until next time.